Welcome to Cocoon, the podcast for wellness coaches featuring wellness coaches. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Sutherland. Think of Cocoon like a warm, supportive hug that you can listen to because after all, wellness coaches need care too. Welcome to episode five of Cocoon. And on this episode, I have the amazing Desiree Harvey, who's the CEO and founder of Mind Bubbles. So thank you for joining us, Desiree. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. So tell me, what is Mind Bubbles? What does it do? So with Mind Bubbles, we work with early learning educators and soon to be parents, basically any big person. I like to say we work with big people champions who are champions for kids, um, but with early learners um, as a as a proactive and a preventative approach for mental and emotional wellness. So we're helping little people learn while big people do a lot of unlearning alongside their favourite little people, all while having, we're not very zen, we're not very quiet, we're very loud. It's all about movement and fun and and yeah, lots of energy and activity because that's what our little people love to do. And so how did this all come about? Well, tell me your journey. How did you begin in this area? So it kills me when I work with people who have been doing this longer than they've been alive, but I know you won't be rude and go, I wasn't even born then. So thank you, Karen. Um, but I started when I was studying at uni working as a youth worker. So this is back in 2000, um, working with kids in trauma response. So in child protection, youth justice, um, while, like I said, while I was still studying, I was doing behavioural psychology at the time and basically just watching my babies grow up. I went on to corrections and managed a prison and community corrections and things like that. So as it became, loved making a difference and really wanted to make a difference um, and you know, on an individual level, but you sort of, it feels like this hamster wheel when you're seeing intergenerational um trauma and coming into like I said as I went from child youth youth justice child protection into with the big the bigger kids in um in corrections and just watching the, the next generation come in generation after generation I went I need to make some real systemic change here it wasn't enough for me just to be putting it felt like just whacking a band-aid on all the time but it just kept happening again and again and again um so after quite a while of doing that and then um was very lucky. I spent many years in um, remote Indigenous communities, so up in the Torres Strait and then over in the East Kimberley, which was incredible, um, but experienced um, and was exposed to a lot of youth suicide and extreme um, sexual and physical abuse with from as young as three-month-old babies. Uh, and that's when I had a moment when an eight-year-old had hung himself that I went, what are we doing as a society? What are we doing that our kids think that this is an option, that they even know about stuff like this? And that's when it's, it's been quite a while from then till now. But from that moment, I knew that I had to be part of the change. So I warned you, the tears are, are nearly there. Like we're not very far into it's happening already. But I, I hope that never stops affecting me because something like that is a profound life-changing moment. Um, and that is the moment that, although it's been a long time coming, drives me to do what I do. And every time it's challenging or frustrating and I feel like I'm getting nowhere, I go, no, no, that little fella, you know, I never want a kid to be in his situation. 
you know. So if, if I can be part of that and help educators and big people plant those seeds so that no child will ever feel that that is the only option ever again, all of it will have been worthwhile. So, yeah. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And Wayne, you work tirelessly at you know trying to to make a difference and make make sure this net doesn't happen. And but how do you maintain your energy levels? Because it's it's heavy stuff. Like it's it's really traumatic stuff that you're you're dealing with people experiencing trauma, and that must really impact your energy levels as well. How do you keep going in that? Definitely, respect? definitely. Clearly, I leak a lot, and that's okay. We um, it's really good. Crying is really good stress relief. It's a really great way to regulate emotions. Um, but I feel it's very empowering now that I am working proactively. I feel after working, and even before when it it was, hey, we'll put in these strategies. It was still reactively. It was you know working with with children, with families, with communities where the trauma was already impacted. So right now I find it really energising that I am working and taking a proactive approach. Um, But before it's doing the things that for me, I mean, it seems like two lives before when I was working reactively and it was for someone else as well. So a job working reactively is very different to nowadays working for myself. Both have very different stresses. Um, but both times, I mean, clearly before there was it was very structured working for government departments and things. There is the structured going for um, you know debriefing and and our own counselling network, whether it's informally, whether it is is formally and structured and things like that. And it certainly has its place, particularly after really significant moments uh, for debriefing and things. However, for me, it is back to the grassroots level, and I always have like when I go to the gym and I train and and my kids know that and it's probably more for my mental health than it is for my physical health um you know the guns the muscles are just a a bonus but really it is that is my hour each day that is non-negotiable it is it's slotted into my my work day and I'm so exhausted from it you can't think of anything else so that is my you know it's exercise for me it's movement it's it's eating well and it's connecting and doing the things that I love that light me up outside of work that that gives me the energy to go again. Yeah. yeah. And sort of on the back of that, uh, when you've had like an extremely intense period in terms of um, sort of the psychological um, stress that you're dealing with, with your, your clients um, and the people that you're working with, how do you sort of soothe yourself? Do you have any practices that you apart from exercise that you do to to make yourself feel better after those sorts of times sure (laughs) I'm not the greatest I know journaling is great and I know how good it is when I do it but do I do it that often I'm not gonna lie no I don't um I really should why do we do what we do when we know what we know because I know it is really good for me but let's be honest at the end of the day it's finding that happy medium isn't it and that's that balance that's not just adding yet another thing to your day even though you know it's going to be good for you you know and I don't trade it for Maccas and a bottle of wine so you know it's it's somewhere in between the two um (laughs) but I think it's really important to have your support network and I mean sometimes you can't go depending on your job you can't go and debrief fully with it whether it's your bestie whether it's your partner whoever it might be you know you can't be breaching confidentiality and things like that however 
even if it is just talking about your feelings, you know, it doesn't have to be about a client. It's just your situation to be having that person or that outlet. For me, it is my bestie. You know, my husband knows his place. I love him, you know, more than anything. But, you know, Cassie, if you're out there, love you. Couldn't do this without you. Um, <laughs> you know, she's my go-to person because she knows me. Probably, you know, if I don't know what I want, she knows what I want. We know each other very well. And and that's to have that person that you can be just let it all out with, you know, there's no stigma, there's no judgment, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's the kids, whether it's work, whether it's all of the everything piled up on top of you, which it often is. It's not just one thing. Um, yeah, someone that you can be really authentic with because it's exhausting you know, just we were chatting about this earlier, you know, it's exhausting whether it's just as part of society, in your work, individually, whatever it might be, to have to put on this mask and be, no, no, I'm okay because it's okay to not be okay, you know, and it's it's okay to say, wow, this week just got the better of me. I'm done. I'm done peopling. I, you know, I can't put on my, hi, welcome, my professional happy voice, you know, like it's, you're you're human and actually you'd scare me if, you were okay like that all the time because I'd be, I'd be very concerned, you know. So I think to, um, yeah, to be authentic day in day out with where you're at, or moment in moment out, beyond just day in day out, you know, in those moments to be authentic with how you're feeling, and imagine if that is in a workspace or if it's a communal space, you might not work on your own like I do, but you know, it creates such a safe, incredible environment because if you can be authentic in how you're feeling and get through that communally, you know, whether, not mean the entire community, but, you know, your work community, your family, whoever your, your little, I hate the word tribe, but you know what I mean, um, is, <laughs> you know, but it, it creates, you know, it creates this really safe space for others then to be authentic and brave to be who they are as well. And it just brews into this amazing, safe, supportive space from there, I think. So I've forgotten the original question now. I sort of no, wander. <laughs> yourself after a really intense period and so um what do you wish you knew at the beginning of your career about how um to maintain and your your wellness in in the careers that you've had wow so once again it feels like you know desley og and then desley 2.0 um because way back then gosh i was like 19 and i can barely remember her now um oh my gosh I think for back then, like if I could give, you know, uni student just starting out, Desiree, some advice, it would, hmm, it would be probably to not, like it has to be a life work balance. And I, I definitely say that deliberately. It's not work life balance, it's a life work balance. Because 19 year old Desiree was a people pleaser, she was a yes girl, and she broke herself you know, to to constantly be doing things for, for other people, professionally, personally, all of that. Um, so I think and it's a matter of it, it was very hard back then in my role because it was very hands-on, like as a youth worker, I didn't have the, the life skills either probably, but to leave work at work, you know, to come home. If you've come, after, come home from a particularly traumatic day, um, you know, I did get stabbed once. That was fun. Uh, you know, but to come home, but to come home and just sort of go, oh, now it's five o'clock. Yeah, it's a bit tricky to switch on and off. So <laughs> to, to have found those strategies back then to really switch off 
um, from that and better coping strategies back then would have been good. But I think now coming along and having even now learning what I've had from work, you know, just life experience and, and all the, the adventures I've been on for work and things is still not giving too much of yourself because how often think of what we're telling our, our clients or whoever it might be um, and, and actually practising what we preach, you know, and not, not being too available. Uh, that was probably be my biggest one is that especially when you're always wanting to help and a lot of us, you know, we're heart-led and we're wanting to make a difference and there's always something that we could be doing, always. It's never going to end. There's always someone who's going to need us and there's always a job that we could be doing. You're lucky if it's only a job, it's probably 25. So to not be too available and say, no, no, for my sake, if I'm going to be able to keep doing what I'm doing, I need to pace myself. I'm working on that. So it's still a work in progress. I'm still giving myself this advice because, you know, I have to remind myself of it all the time because I'll just get this done. And it's sort of, no, no, you need to, if, if we're in this for the long game and want to make real lifelong sustainable changes, and I don't just mean for ourselves, I mean for whatever your passion is, whatever your vocation is, we need to be there for the long haul. There's no point going out and saving 100 people this week and then being burnt out for the rest of the year. So, you know, we need to... I say we because I'm actually saying this to myself right now, not to all of you. <laughs> you know, to, to actually say, no, that can wait till tomorrow. I need to look after me, whether it's my family, whether it is whatever it might be, to, to yeah, have that life-work balance so that you can bring the same sense of energy and passion to it again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Absolutely. And I, I, for me, I've learned recently to say, um, not say no, but just say not now. Um, and so if someone's asking, saying, well, it's not fitting in right now, but I could maybe do it and then think of a time where there's actually space for you to do it rather than taking it on as another thing when you're already loaded. So. I like that. I'm going to remember that one. Not now. Mm. Yeah. And obviously and they're not a 10-year-old child, though, that goes, yeah, but when? <laughs> but now? <Yeah>. But now? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that, that, that goes out the window then. But, yeah. <laughs> but did you mean now, Karen? No, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, like, it, it's good advice as well, as it brings us to the next question, is around um, using social media. And so how do you navigate social media for your business and still maintain your wellness? Because it, it can it can really consume you if you let it. Uh, so mm. what what sort of strategies do you have in place to stop that happening? Sure. Sucking the life out of me is the phrase that came to mind when you introduced this question. Um, because I think at first and being our space is, is online. So it's, a, it's you know, it's, it's a, we're in, within the digital space. Um, so, and you feel like, and when you're a newbie at this, my background's very different to yours, you know, and I'm like, oh, I need to be doing all of the everything because people need to know we're here. And it feels this just urgency and they change, I don't know, algorithms and all this stuff, just saying it actually makes my head hurt. Um, and you feel like, oh, but if I haven't posted today, I'm going to lose all my audience and, or, you know, if I'm not doing these reels and all these things. And it's overwhelming, you know. And at the end of the day, my, I've actually just not long come back on and I just took not even a word because I'd, on this last school holidays, I'd taken a few days off because we'd gone away and I just didn't come back to it. And it was probably a good six weeks and I didn't miss it and I didn't feel guilty. And I'm like, whoa, I really needed this. And I came back on and I had just a really 
real, well, my posts are really real, I can't fake this, but um, a real post about, you know, my feed is filled with positivity. My social media space is is a really positive place to be, but still I just needed to step away from it for my own sake. And that's something, once again, that we're practising what we preach. So if you're posting at 11 o'clock at night, and people notice this stuff, you know, and it's sort of like, but you're telling everyone that, eight hours a night sleep or switch off at, you know, don't use screens at 10 after 9 p.m. or whatever it might be, but you're posting at 4 a.m. and 10 p.m. or whatever, what are we, you know, are we leading authentically, you know? So it's if you're not going to do it for you, which you should, but let's say you're not, you know, because I've just got to go, I've just got to go, do it for your client's sake, you know, be that leader who's leading by example. So if it's not for you, who's the person who deserves it the most, but maybe we need to be doing it to set that, precedence that you know like it it is a great tool and it's something fantastic but equally we need to keep it really balanced so now I post when I feel like I don't even care about the rules if it's supposed to be 10 words long 100 whatever all those are out the window now if I feel inspired by something I will jump on post gym sweaty hair you know whatever you know I'll hide out like right now in my bedroom to hide out from our five kids and actually sneak a silent moment whatever it is if I feel inspired in the moment, I'll do it. And if I don't, you won't. Like as in it's something now that I go, this is my space. And yes, I mean, you want to make a business out of it and there's all that side of it. But if it's sucking the life out of you, what's the energy that you're bringing to your business on that day anyway? And I don't know if you've ever noticed, you know, those days we are like, no, I've got to do a post. And you do it and you force yourself to do it. And the reach is like nothing. And I'm like, I don't know if that's some just woo-woo energy magic. I don't understand it, you know, but isn't it interesting? But when you feel really passionate about something and the words could look on point, they could be bang on, but you just go, I don't know what it is that just that, that's why I call it the energy that goes out there. I don't know what it is, but yeah, the well, universe keeps doing that, whatever. <laughs> most successful TikToks have been where I, yeah, I've just I had a story to tell, like something funny happened, and I just pick up the phone and do it. Um, and the ones where I've really like got re- like, yeah, like those are the ones where it's just really impromptu have gone really well. So yeah, I think that's what people Thank want. God. They they want to feel like you're their friend and you're telling them the story. So. Yeah, exactly. So do what you love, do it when you love it. I don't know. That's that's what I do now because yeah, it um, you can't can't drain us. It can't you know if you're if you're forcing yourself it's to a, do it. It's uh, a tool, yeah. It, mm, it's a tool mm. that that's to be used, you know, in a conscious way. Not it, it doesn't control us. We control it. So hundred yeah. percent, yeah. And that's the advice that we're giving our kids and everyone else. So let's live by it for us as well. Even though it's a tool for our business, yeah, we're we're people first. Absolutely. And so coming back to storytelling, um, is there, do you have an inspirational story you could talk about one of your, your clients, anonymous, of course, some confidential, yep. but a story that, yeah, that through your work, you, that something through Mind Bubbles that you found really inspirational from someone that oh you um, affected in a positive way? <laughs> your biggest trouble is shutting me up from telling these stories because I start <laughs> to tell the stories and then I rant a little bit because it is exciting. That was probably the biggest thing is, um, look, I get so excited. I've gone all wonky with my phone now. I've got to find myself again. Um, is because the biggest thing that I've probably noticed the change because I'm at home and it is through a screen now, whereas before it was always in person. And I really missed the 
the person-to-person contact and seeing those results and things. Now I'm sharing it with a teacher, which I realised I needed to do to reach more people, of course, you know, because otherwise I've only got so many hours in the day of doing it one-on-one with with clients and things like that because I used to work individually with NDIS clients. So it was amazing and I loved it, but I went, there's only so much of me. I've got to reach kids further and further. So, um, but I really miss it now. So I hold on to these stories when someone sends me something, I live vicariously through their email. But there's probably, there's two quick ones I can't, can never choose. There was one where a little boy in, it's not, I don't know Sydney very well, but it's a, a sort of a very lower socioeconomic suburb. It's not Redfern. That's the only one I can ever remember, but it's something similar to that. Um, and he's had, he was only four at the time and had a very traumatic past in and out of foster care. Parents had been in and out of jail, drug use, all sorts of stuff. Um, and he's a twin. And they'd been separated, which for me coming from that foster care background, um, working in child protection, just contemplating that twins had been separated and sent to different placements was horrific. So you think the behaviours must have been very extreme for that to happen because that's an absolute no-no. Keeping siblings together, especially twins together, is your ultimate goal. Um, But anyways, and I had a director um, message me. Sorry, I just had a text pop up. Um, just in absolute desperation because he had stabbed a teacher with scissors. This is a four-year-old. He's in preschool, kindy. Um, He would upturn tables, um, just destroy easels and artwork and things like that, just disrupt the entire centre. And other parents were taking their kids out, understandably, um, because they weren't safe, you know. So she as a director was on the floor day in, day out just to be with him to keep him safe and to keep everyone else safe. But the thought of excluding him was heartbreaking because it was the most permanent home he'd ever known. Not that he lived there, but coming to kindy was the most stable thing he'd ever done in his little life. And straight away I got this message late at night and went, oh, my gosh, I'm going to call you in the morning. Let me just send you stuff straight away. And this was before we'd even developed our program. So I didn't even have anything to sell it. Like that was not what it was about. But I'm like, I need to help you now. Let me just give you everything that I know. And I gave her, because uh, we're very much based on not just, everyone sees the behaviours and the outcomes, but we not only explore the feelings and the emotions behind the behaviours, but then also the brain, because my background's in behavioural psychology and neuroscience. So everything stems from brains. And when you've got little people and these brains are under massive construction, they're going through a critical brain growth period during preschool years, that's if we go back to that that's the root cause of every feeling and every behavior so we're very much based on that and so I sent some um, resources and things like that would that would help and within two weeks she started doing this couple of minutes through play-based stuff every day and within two weeks she sent me a message and said he's a different kid she said I've seen him smile for the very first time he now plays alongside other kids, doesn't interact yet, but still, you know, plays alongside them. And he still has gone from having just right, you know, was rage attacks, you know, for hours on end to having a few, hey, we all have grumpy moments in a day, but it was literally to a few disgruntled moments each day. Like not just all of our kids do, like we all do, you know. Yeah, yeah. So within two weeks. You know, and that just, which I know it happens, you know, I know the science behind it and I know that that happens. But when you hear these things, it still amazes me every single time. 
And if you can, this next one is a lot shorter. I'll give you one more little quick one. Because I feel <laughs> oh, I can't good. decide. I don't, I don't oh, no, right. That was a, a long one. I do wonder. Um, but another little fella that I was working with, and he, this was one-on-one when I was still working, um, like I said, in a one-on-one situation. And he was six at the time and getting ready to start prep a bit delayed. He um, is on the autism spectrum. And um, so I'd work with him one-on-one each week because suddenly mum went, oh, my gosh, she's got to go to school and sit and listen. What am I going to do with this kid? And um, so we would go and we'd play together in his backyard for an hour each week. And it was the same things that that I offer for our, our kindy classes, but it just goes a lot slower because with, you know, a neurodivergent brain, um, things can fry a lot more quickly. So we do an activity because it's all about different parts of the brain talking to each other and growing brain pathways and stuff like that. And then we'd do some slow regulating exercises to like wipe the slate clean before we start the next activity and get different parts of the brain to talk to each other. So he was nonverbal before then. He'd been seeing a speechy since he was two. So that was for four years he'd been seeing a speechy. And he could say, mum, no, and drop the F-bomb. Pretty much that's about it, yeah. All the essentials, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, really, he's a fully functioning male probably by then. But, uh, sorry, lads, I'm, I jest. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, anyways, so, and, and and there was other stuff, but it's like how a mum can understand a, a toddler, you know, and everyone else is like, oh, I don't understand. But so we did a lot of, played a lot of games that would strengthen brain pathways for expressive and receptive language to help his speech. And within six weeks, so I'd visit him for one hour, six times, and he sat in my, my lap. And even that, his mum's like, oh, my gosh. Like, and he put his hands on my face like this and he said, Desilee, you're my best friend. Oh. And I'm crying yet again. His mum's wow. crying. He's like, you're so nuts. What are you crying about? Like, looking at us like we're crazy ladies. That was the wow. longest sentence he'd ever said. And the speech, he's going, what's this kid doing? And I'm like, I didn't teach him to speak. We've just strengthened brain parts. Brains are that plastic and that amazing that that's how quick it happened, you know. So, and and just the thought of with kids like this, you know, you sort of think whether it's labels like for our second little story there, you know, of, of helping him to become all that he can be or the first little kid, you sort of go, gosh, is this the change that's going to keep him out of jail? Is this the change that's going to stop him from, or, you know, to, to, to bolster his mental wellness, you know, work on, you know, we, we, we work on positive self-talk and, you know, actually strengthening their brains for emotional regulation. So they're capable of actually regulating emotions and things like that. All these things that they don't have to then unlearn as adults. We're creating mental health toolkits with four-year-olders before they start school, before they, you know, get anxiety or depression, before they contemplate suicide, all these things, it just takes one big person to plant these seeds at an age where it's getting embedded into their core beliefs, you know, and you sort of think that could be the one person, that could be the one moment that has saved a kid's life, you know, so because down the track they access that tool rather than take a different path, which is, you know, more destructive. And it sounds catastrophic, but, I mean, I've been down that path with kids professionally, you know what I mean, and I've, I've seen things that majority of people, I'm glad, will never see, you know. Um, But it's there and it's everywhere and it's in every classroom, you know, and 
and it's not just because a lot of people go, oh, but it's out in remote. Sometimes they go, oh, of course it's in that suburb or of course it's in that community. No, no, that was the biggest thing that I took away from it is that it's everywhere. You can never, as a professional, um, you never know. Like if you look around, whether it's a classroom, your clinic, some, a kid that you're working with, whatever, in whatever capacity, you don't know. You know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors and you could be that one person and that's why I really want to work with teachers because we can't assume that these kids are hearing these messages at home. And it's not to say that you know, every parent out there is horrible because there's so many amazing parents, but if we we don't want to assume that they're getting those messages. And there's plenty of amazing parents who still need to grow emotionally in things themselves. You know, we're calm, even for me, I'm constantly learning and unlearning more to the point. You know, we're still from that generation of don't be a silk, you'll be right, suck it up, stop crying. You know, that's hardly child abuse. However, we know better now so we can do better, you know, so let's not pass on the shame around emotions, you know. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to cry and we learn about why we cry and why, you know, to connect with people and things like that, you know. There's so many about all the, the positives to everything, you know. So to be able to remove that stigma and the shame from all the stuff that we have to unlearn, if we become a light, enlightened adults, a lot of us might ever you know, unlearn that stuff and we will take that forever. That's okay. But to the point where we can't assume that. So if we can make sure that there's enough big people, kid champions out there that will be that one person for every single kid out there, that's when I will rest and that's when I'll stop talking. And that's a long <laughs> way away. So I'm not going to stop talking. <laughs> no, so no, that was, I love those stories. They were brilliant. And so um, next question's around goals. So, did, what were your goals for 2022? Did they ha happen? Um, because, you know, it's really hard. Uh, things happen, things crop up. And if if not, what, what are, you, are you hoping to achieve for 2023? World domination. Yeah, <laughs> we're in September now. so Right. Yeah. World domination is going to have to go on for uh, 2023 now. I'm running out of time. Um, <laughs> cool. We have been, and this has been my, and I say we because my darling husband, you know, rides the roll, the emotional roller coaster that I uh, strap him into. Um, but um, because it's been such an evolution for us, we're still like my bubbles are still in its infancy when it comes to businesses. Um, and then amidst COVID and delivery options and all the rest of it, we've evolved about 27.8 times. Um, so uh, that's been fun. Um, and just, I think for me, it's just the not giving up and that's the pep talk I get from my hubby all the time is just this is good and this is needed and this is your life's purpose all you've got to do is not quit it's all I've got to do you know so some days that's all I do is not quit and that's enough so but uh our biggest goal which is coming out for October that's the goal I've set myself is to launch our app so that we can reach people everywhere so we're more technologically accessible I suppose it's about ease it's about because I am technologically challenged I'm amazing at a lot of things uh that's not one of them so I'm okay I'm okay to stay in my zone of genius because I'm really good at what I do that's not one of them and that's okay um however just you wait till you see the app that I've been working on my canvas skills are epic people um <laughs> but um so that will be that's what I want I want mind bubbles literally in pockets of big people chat and I don't mean pockets of communities I mean in your jeans pocket of uh you know kid champions everywhere so that they can just pull it out hit a button 
and they've got the resources there in the moment to, to go through things both proactively so that we're preparing kids and reactively. Right, we're doing this. What do I need to do again? So you don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I'm stressing about if I say or do the right thing. Don't have to. Pull it out. Let's go through it together. Let's practice our breaths. Let's do this, whatever, X, Y, Z. Um, so, yeah, so I'm hoping that that is the magic pivot that we need to make, that um, that we can reach people far and wide because uh, – our, our podcast that we have, which is a resource for little people to listen to alongside their favourite big people, um, is in about 80-something countries now. Um, so, you know, we, I love the fact that we are reaching little ears, hearts and minds everywhere. So I just want to add some actual real resources and tools for that so that we can uh, have a greater impact. And I'm hoping that our app is the thing that will do that. So that's the next step. And that's all I look at taking as much as I have a grandiose big picture because I need, I'm an end vision kind of girl because there's a thousand steps between now and then and it's hard work. So I need to know that the end goal is worth it on those sucky days, you know. So um, my end goal is that we will pack our five kids up and head to developing countries. For some reason I have, um, like, I've got this picture of some girls sitting in a Ugandan school in the dirt and... Um, just that's on my, you know, my image board there that uh, that we we turn up there and we donate out all our resources and and we go to orphanages and developing schools all over the world with our kids and give back. So you know, so each day I take a step towards that so that we can, you know, reach the financial goals and all the rest of it that can can make that happen. And um and I think we're we're on our way. It might be a long time between now and then, but I met someone recently. And just per chance, well, not per chance, most serendipitously, um, which is my new favourite word, um, and he and his wife founded a school for girls in Uganda. And I went, oh, my gosh, that's just, you know, I made a goosebump and I went, this is meant to happen and this is all, you know, but it's just having the resilience and the passion and the self-care so you've got the energy to turn up again and again and again to reach that end goal. And that's such so admirable that that is your goal. And so, so finally, what advice would you give to someone who is working in sort of the health and wellness space about what to do to prevent burnout? Just take the next step. I think it's not like like I I just said then. I mean, we have so many goals, and it's it's endless. The to do list is endless, and all the things or the big goals of what we want to achieve, you know. And and things pivot so much and change so much. Like whether it's personally, professionally, you know, life happens. So for me, as much as the end goals in sight, it's focusing on the next step. And that seems really basic, but as in it's it's not overwhelming yourself with the big picture. Because, you know what I mean, the to-do list is endless, the clients, not to say the word demands, but, you know, what is wanted of us is endless and what we have to give can be endless. So if it's just stopping and pausing and just taking the next step, so whether that's on a good day so you're not doing too much or whether that's on a challenging day when you're overwhelmed and you're feeling burnt out or you, it's just all too much, it's stop, just take the next step. And if the next step is a bath, awesome, just take that next step. Or if it's a hot cup of tea and a chat with your best friend, that's all you've got to do, just take that next step. And I think that 
that's really good for so many reasons, but just to take pause and to give yourself that space. So then majority of the time, then the rest falls all into line. But when we're feeling burnt out or overwhelmed, it becomes just all too much and you're not going to achieve any of it then really, are you? Because it's, you know, I say, are you? Because I'm thinking of me going, you know, it's just, oh, because I'm not going to start ranting, but you'll be in the wrong section of your brain. I'll give you a whole brain 101 lesson. But as in when you just take that pause and just focus on the next step, you can be in your thinking brain and thinking rationally and making good choices for yourself, for your business, whatever it might be. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the pearls of wisdom and sharing your story on this episode of Cocoon. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. And we'll see you next month for another episode. Thanks so much, Karen. Stay amazing, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cocoon. Join us next month when we hear more from wellness coaches on how to stay well in a profession of constant giving. After all, wellness coaches need care too. Thanks and see you next time.